0: journey podcast where we break down every film from the imdb top 250 list giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way my name is daniel henderson the somerset to dean's mills and
1: i'm dean jeffrey and this is not even my podcast
0: you're damn right it isn't (laughs) you're goddamn right (laughs) and today we're breaking down david finch's seven So7, released in 1995, written by Andrew Kevin Walker and directed by the man himself, David Fincher. The very man himself. Yeah, we wouldn't be speaking about this film if it wasn't directed by him, would we? It's about two detectives, a rookie and a veteran, who hunt down a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his motives. Starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, Ali Ermey and John C. McGinley. Now,
1: Ali Ermey. I would not have remembered, despite the countless times I have watched this film. If you'd said, name as many Ali Ermi films as you could, I would not have said this film. It's because this is
0: so against his typecast.
1: I mean, it's not that against his typecast. He's not exactly I mean, playing a romantic is lead. I mean, against... I mean, he's still in a position of authority.
0: Every other movie, he's just this y- loud, yelling drill sergeant. In every everything I've seen him in besides this, he's just yelling and screaming.
1: Yeah, but I mean, he's still the boss. He's still the authority figure.
0: No, this this one, he is like stoic and laid back. He never raises his voice in this film. That's not this true. This is very different to... That it. is not true. When does he raise his voice?
1: This isn't even my desk.
0: That's yeah, that, that's his yelly
1: voice, is it? I didn't say it was his yelly voice. You said raise his voice, <laughs> and I'm saying oh, come on. he raised his voice. I don't think he did. Which is exactly what I'm doing now because you're irritating me.
0: You're yelling, Corporal Dean.
1: Is that my yelly voice?
0: <laughs> Your yelly voice. Music by Howard Shaw. We've spoken about him several times. He has won three Academy Awards for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He's also got three other films in the top 250, one we've done already, Silence of the Lambs, as well as The Departed and Spotlight, and he went on to do two other Fincher films that we've done, Panic Room and The Game. Very busy man. Cinematography by Darius Conji, who has been nominated once before for Evita, and he also did Panic Room.
1: <laughs> have you seen Evita? I have not.
0: This has going to be like one of the least appealing films for me to ever watch. I just remember Madonna's on the front, like, singing.
1: Yes, don't cry for me, Argentina. The
0: ah. truth is, I never loved you or left you. And you could be saying random words now and I'd have to believe you. Do you know the song? I know the, f- the first line, yes. Do you know the tune? Like, does that song sound familiar? It does. Didn't know it was from that film, though. Okay. So, after this film had wrapped up, they realised they needed to do some more exterior shots and pick up uh, shots for the movie, but Darius Konji had moved on to Stealing Beauty. So, they actually got camera operator Jeff I did, it, oh, I did it again. Every time I say this guy's name, I say Jeff with a T-H and, Cron and Weff with an F. It
1: ah. is Jeff Weff. I never noticed.
0: Sure, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
1: That's bullshit. Uh, Stealing Beauty. Do you know that film at all? Liv
0: Tyler. Liv Tyler. Yep. And That's it. I want to say, is Emily Blunt in that as well? No idea, no idea. Again, I just know that the the DVD or the video cover of just her there, and it's like white.
1: Yeah, and Liv Tyler's on the cover. That's what I said.
0: She's got long hair. So back to Jeff Cronenworth. He and Harris Savides, they took up about two weeks of additional photography. They ended up shooting the entire end sequence again in the remote desert area. These two names, Cronenworth, went on to be the cinematographer for Fight Club, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. And Harry Savides went on to do Zodiac, The Game, as well as another film we've done, Milk. So Finch your favourites, eh? Absolutely. So at one point, Jeremiah S. Chichik was attached to direct this. Now, you may or may not know this name. He directed National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and the 1998 The Avengers, which he got nominated for a Razzie.
1: Now, The Avengers film, just to be clear... That's not the Marvel Avengers, is it?
0: No, the 1998 version with Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Yeah, but they're not playing superheroes, are they? Mm, I don't think that. I think they're more like spies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think we dodged a bullet there with this guy not coming onto the two directors' film. All right, let's look at some casting choices here, Dean. Al Pacino was considered for Detective Somerset, but he decided to do City Hall instead.
1: Firstly, whoops. Secondly, would they still (laughs) include references to Serpico, do you think? Hmm, Sutner ponder. They'd have to wink at the screen. I don't really think this
0: is that kind of film, the look at the camera and wink. (laughs) I don't think they would have included it, honestly. If they got Serpico in, they can't do a Serpico reference. Nah. Let's see, who do we have for the role of Mills here? Denzel Washington was attached when Al Pacino was attached. Think of, think of young Denzel Washington. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. am like trying. training I'm, day Denzel I'm Washington. I'm thinking
1: like uh, glory Denzel Washington.
0: Yeah. Uh, he just, he turned it down because he thought it was too dark and evil. He obviously later regretted turning down that role. Sylvester Stallone was also in contention of uh, Detective Mills. What do you think of uh, Sylvester Stallone as Detective David Mills? He'd make a better <laughs> was captain.
1: The, was in the Barks? Was the Barks? <laughs> How long have you been looking forward to doing that impersonation? I I wasn't going to do it. I just thought (laughs) Ah, of it then. Bullshit. You saw that trivia and was like, oh, I've got this.
0: (laughs) Uh, Who else for Somerset here? We had Robert Duvall and Gene Hackman turned down the role. Uh, Gene Hackman turned it down because of the too many night shoots, apparently.
1: He's a bit of a uh, prima donna, isn't he?
0: Gene Hackman has a lot of uh, rules and guidelines for him starring in films. Which is odd for someone who's not really an A-lister. I mean, I think he was an A-lister back in the day. In the Like, in the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s, he was still a massive name. Yeah. Christina Applegate turned down the role of Tracy. Okay. Was this one of Gwyneth's uh, first, like, main roles? I think this is, yeah, one of the, the key ones she did. David Fincher was impressed with her work on the movie Flesh and Bone from 1993, she was his first choice for the role, but Paltrow was actually not interested in the film, so Fincher actually got her then-boyfriend, Brad Pitt, to convince her to meet with Fincher to star in the film. Then-boyfriend, eh? Yes, they were dating uh, as this film was uh, getting filmed. Ah, that explains the chemistry. Am I right? You are You are correct. I don't know if you're trying to pull a little uh, pun or some little joke after this, but no, you are correct in this one. No, no pulling over here, Hendo. For a change. Ali Ermi actually auditioned for the role of John Doe. And after the part was given to Kevin Spacey, he was offered the role of the police captain. What do you think of Ali Ermi as the John Doe? I don't think that's stupid.
1: Nah, not at
0: all. What about directors here? We also we already mentioned Jeremiah S. Chechnik. Guillermo del Toro turned down the chance to direct this because, get this, as a romantic, he didn't subscribe to the script's dark view on the world. This is the guy that did Pan's Labyrinth.
1: Yeah, but Pan's Labyrinth is like a fantasy version of the world.
0: I mean, you've got a guy crushing a guy's face in with a bottle.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot of negativity, but it's also looking at the the more positive aspects of life or how to turn those negatives into positives.
0: All right, uh, you can you can have that one. David Cronenberg was offered a chance to direct this, but he turned it down as well. Have you seen any David Cronenberg films?
1: Is he the History of Violence guy?
0: Yes. Oh, uh, maybe. Have you seen The Fly? Yes. Yeah, there you go. There's one. So there was some big controversy around the ending of this film, which I, you know, I'm going to get to in a bit later on here as well. But the original script had this ending that we see in the film, and the producers and you know, the, the studios they wanted an ending that involved more traditional elements of a of a detective thriller film with more action oriented elements but when they actually sent the script to David Fincher they accidentally sent him the original screenplay with you know the finale that we see mm. and fincher looked at it and he thought this is great i want to i want to do this film and when he got the part they said to him oh we actually wanted to do this script and he's like no this is what we're doing and he had a lot of arguments and a lot of fighting with the studios to the point where Brad Pitt even said if you're going to if you're going to you know do the ending that we don't want I'm out and then Morgan Freeman agreed and in the end they all caved and said right this is how we're going to do it.
1: Nice. It is surprising considering Fincher is a nobody at this point. Like he's lucky to be getting another shot here after Aliens 3.
0: Well, he had done a lot of. I know. I know. It doesn't seem like uh, no nah, music videos, music videos, music videos, and the advertising company that he had was pretty big. Like he made some pretty high quality and well known music videos and ads, and that's why they got him. They said you, you've got a good idea, like a good taste, a good view of how we could go with this film. But this was released on the fifteenth of September in nineteen ninety five with a runtime of one hundred and twenty seven minutes, with a tagline of Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Ways to Die." Not great. There was a secondary one here. Let he who is without sin try to survive.
1: That's even worse. Yeah. I think that makes think it sound okay. like it's a like a
0: sore film. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Budget of $33 million and worldwide gross $327 million.
1: Wow. That's huge. It
0: is massive.
1: Wow, considering, like, the year being 95, like, that is a huge number for 95, considering mm-hmm. the budget's low, and I imagine a lot of that budget would be going to, like, Brad Pitt? Was he 95?
0: He would have been, what did, What would he have just done, 12 Monkeys? He got nominated for that, didn't no, he? No, no, no. He went and filmed Twelve Monkeys after he'd wrapped this up. I oh, think okay. He, he, I did see some trivia that he was talking about Legends of the Fall. Okay, I mean, was Morgan Freeman? Oh, he'd already done Shawshank,
1: which admittedly was mm-hmm. a flop, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I'd say it was. Yeah, I think it was a flop. He'd done Glory, Driving Miss Daisy. He was in a, you know, Best Picture. It's not like they're pulling in, you know, ten million dollar salaries.
1: These guys are they?
0: Well, I saw that Brad Pitt. I think he made I think it was five or five or seven million that he got for this film. I mean, that, that's a big chunk of the 33 budget, isn't it? It is. But it's got one Academy Award nomination that year. It was nominated for Best Film Editing, which it lost to Apollo 13. Okay. All right. Let's look at some scores here, Dean. What do you reckon? The Rotten Tomatoes critics or the audience? Give me critics. No, 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 no. Critics had it at 82 and audience have it at 95. Oh, wow. That was way off. Metacritic, always the definition of the word critic here. Gives it a 65. (laughs) Fuck me. Letterboxd, have it at 4.3. That's better. But let's take a look at the history of seven in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted onto the very first list on the 26th of April in 1996, where it came in at its highest ever ranking at number 18, and then for the next three years, it dropped to its lowest point, which was 130, and then since 1999 all the way to 2020, it has gradually gone all the way back up to number 20, with an 8.6, over 1.4 million ratings. Did you say number 20, it's at? Yes. Wow, I had no idea it was that high. Well, we can tick another top 20 off our list, can't we now, Dean? We've done a lot of the top 20 already. We have. Not all of them, though. No. All right, Dean. This is the final film in our David Fincher film series. Let's see if we think it's the best of the film series. Let's do it. Jesus, this film just gets right into it, doesn't it? Oh, it it's does. Like- it? New Line Cinema. Boom. It yeah. does. Like I'm talking, like the start. It shows the studio, and then boom, the movie starts. Okay. Like I was Fincher say, doesn't fuck around.
1: I was gonna. Mm, that's debatable. I was gonna say though, it's. <laughs> You know, it's not exactly like the first scene here of Somerset going about his morning is exactly, you know, starting with a
0: bang, is it? No, I wasn't talking like that. I'm talking like the film just begins. Yeah. Like, I'm I pretty think- sure it just has the one new line cinema and then it's in. Like, you watch movies these days and it has, like, what, five different companies coming up and coming up and coming up? Like, Jesus Christ, it takes like a minute and a half to get into it. I'm like, just fucking do it.
1: Yeah. But it's funny because Fincher will be known as someone who loves long opening
0: credits, though. Yeah, but as actual, like, like their own little segments.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying they're bad. They're the best in the biz. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Fincher loves getting into it. No, he doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, so this, this opening scene of him him here, I think this really is paid off when we see Brad Pitt's opening morning routine later, uh, which we'll touch on then. But we see here he obviously lives alone. He's lonely. We've got the chessboard, which obviously means he's smart. Uh, he's tying his tie. <laughs> I mean, it's true, isn't it? Like you put a chessboard yeah, in is. someone's house, it's like, oh, this person is intelligent. Um, Everything. Re-
0: the next scene here, where he, he sets his uh, his metronome. He's like, he's very methodical and articulate. That's all I get when you when he has that ticking, and he's just thinking and sitting there. I'm like, yeah, he's he's very uh, on the ball.
1: Yeah, I must say, uh, it's been a while since I've seen this film. I've probably seen it, uh, let's say, seven times. I've seen it a fair, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen it a fair few times. I had forgotten that this first death we see is not one of the seven sins because we start <laughs> seeing it, and I was like, "Gee, they cut to they cut to um, gluttony really quick," and then I see the guy, and I was like, Gee, "He's not even that fat." <laughs> I was like, "Oh wait, that's they haven't even started that yet."
0: <laughs> this is probably my. Excellent. Uh, I'd probably say not yeah. <laughs> well on uh, my ninth or tenth viewing, I reckon, I'd say for this film.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd be around the same. I think the, really the only purpose of this scene here with this random uh wife killing the husband and I think killed herself, really mm. just set up that Somerset is a sort of detective who cares like, he asks yeah. about whether the kids saw on the other cops, like, who yeah. cares? You know, he's more about just shutting the case. Let's move on to the next one where Somerset, we're meant to, you know, side with this guy now. We know he's a good guy. He cares about the kids. You know, I think I think it's more just setting up that Somerset, he might be a bit of a grump, but his heart's in the right place.
0: Yeah, I agree. That, that one line you get from him really sets up his character, as what you just said. But Mills shows up, walks up the stairs. He runs up the stairs. This guy is a real go-getter, they're, isn't he? The go-getter. <laughs> they really set up the overarching th- like plot of this story, don't they? When they're downstairs, all right, I'm I'm retiring in 7 days. I'm going to teach you all I can in 7 days. But they also set up you know why why have you come here? This place is fucking awful. This is an abomination of a place. Why have you decide why have you chosen to come and work here? And it's yeah, like they... it's like Mills is like this. Like you said, like like we said, he's a go-getter. He, he's a he young hotshot. Wants to fix yeah. the
1: world, you know, and when yeah, exactly. Somerset just can't understand, like you actually fought to be transferred here. I don't understand what are your reasons, and he's just like, "Oh, probably the same reasons as you before you decided to quit." And he really is Mills really does sort of throw that back in Somerset's face, like, hmm. you know,
0: like, and, and, and yeah, and Somerset's like, you, "You you just met me, like you have no idea." <laughs> <laughs> but it also shows Somerset's like. Bleak outlook on on what this this place, which is never named, oh, incredibly has, has done bleak. To
1: Like this city is like the worst real city you can imagine. You know,
0: like it's horrible. No, but we get these these opening credits and fucking hell, <laughs> this this opening credit thing is fucking awesome. It's so good. This
1: is my favourite. This is my favourite Fincher, you know, opening credit here. This diary being made you know like the 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 cutting his skin off his fingers the tape you got yeah. photos of like semi nude kids there that's like what's going on here and then uh, my favorite shot though is when you see like a portrait of a kid like a photo of a kid and he mm-hmm. like slowly like puts a line across his eyes and then just snap cuts to the
0: whole face is yeah, scribbled all, out yeah the whole thing she, yeah, he's like <laughs> <laughs> but i love how it really it's it, it is absolutely focused on john doe here and He's like his routine of what he's doing. Like he's, you see him like cutting the skin off his fingers to so he doesn't get the fingerprints. He's doing all these books. He's he's methodically going through his procedure here. Did you know originally this the planned title sequence was supposed to be Somerset buying a house in a remote country area and travelling back to the city. Wow,
1: that's boring.
0: Yeah. However, days before the the test screening, they had they hadn't filmed the sequence. They had they didn't have a budget to do it anymore. So Fincher approached Kyle Cooper to suggest a replacement, and he recognised that, which is a bit of a trivia I got later on, that the fact that the John Doe books that were made they cost a lot of money, and they wanted to you know, highlight those in a sequence. So what they did was they they used it here. They they made a slideshow set to obviously the remake the remix of Nine Inch Nails closer. And they had uh, they had the hand drawn credits used like as it has a, a hand drawn font to suggest that that was actually John Doe writing the credits himself. Yeah, the font's really good. So the 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 Fincher title sequences I can think of is Seven, Fight Club, and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Is there any others that I was missing? Panicrome. Pan- uh Do you count Panty as a title sequence? I mean, it's just the yes, the- it's the names on the buildings. Mm, I don't. Th- I think that's just exterior shots. Like you, you get that in a lot of films. Just the way that the way that the titles are coming up is a bit unique for the time. But if you want to include that, I was going to ask you if you want to rank the the title sequences.
1: Uh, well, Panic Room is last. Yes, Panic Room <laughs> doesn't <laughs> count. Uh, what was the next uh Dragon Tattoo would be third, Fight Club second, and Seven first. See, I think <sighs> Fight
0: Club's is where isn't it like going through a mind?
1: Yeah, it's going through the mind, and it sort of ends.
0: Oh, does it? Oh, gee. Oh no no! Know. It goes along the barrel of the gun, doesn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, it ends out the gun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I'd put that second. Two. I was going to say I'd probably put it third because I couldn't remember it, but yeah, it just popped into my head. So remembering it now, definitely second. So sevens is the best. But we get Monday. Yeah, Monday. Uh, do we get every day? I was about to ask. I don't I think didn't we do. See Friday. I. I Friday is the only day I didn't see.
1: All right, I definitely made notes of them when I saw them, so I'll see if I yeah. have that note of Friday.
0: The, yeah, the only note I didn't write was Friday, and I was I was going to go back. I was going to go back and see if Friday was there, and I might have just missed it. But I got Monday through to Sunday, excluding Friday. Okay, we'll it'd see. be weird if they didn't have the Friday in there.
1: It would be. It would be. I feel like Friday wasn't the day I was um, not remembering, but we'll say we'll see. So Brad Pitt wakes up with Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, realizes that they're being filmed. <laughs> Well done. And as I said before, this really does just serve to contrast Somerset's routine that we saw earlier, um, just perfectly. He's messy, he's not alone, and even the little thing of, we saw so clearly Somerset physically tying his tie, whereas we see Mills here, he's just got a bunch of ties already pre-tied on a coat hanger. Now, have you ever had to wear (laughs) a tie for work? Yes. And were you a daily tie or were you the coat hanger just tighten up? I'm a daily tie Really? Because I I wore a tie for a long time and I would tie it once and then just loosen and tighten.
0: I'm pretty sure I had to tie your tie for your wedding. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me.
1: Like, (laughs) I can tie a tie, I'm just not good at it. So if I get it right, why would I undo that good work? (laughs) (laughs) It is always
0: raining in this film. Well, not always, Hendo. Maybe you missed uh, one scene. Yeah, I might have turned it off maybe 20 minutes early. Do you know why they had it always raining? Atmosphere. That's one of them. Continuity is a big one. Was it literally always raining? No, they had rain machines come in. They yeah. figured if, it, honestly, on the the first day, which is the the scene you see here where Brad Pitt's standing out in the rain waiting for Somerset, it was that was legit raining. It was raining all day, and they just said, "Fuck it, let's just make it rain all the time, so we don't have to worry about continuity and we don't have, we don't have to worry about bad weather."
1: Yeah. We mentioned uh, Serpico earlier, and it before, like I know we just uh, went past this scene. But he does Mills does mention Serpico. He, he refers to himself as Serpico, and uh, maybe getting into Serpico spoilers here. I haven't seen Serpico. Have you? No. Uh, I was gonna ask what Serpico's fate was, and whether that actually uh, is any foreshadowing there.
0: I get Serpico and Carlito's way just like stuck in my head together. Like they're the same bloody film. And I've
1: only seen one of them. Yeah, that's really weird because you've only seen yeah. one. That doesn't make any sense.
0: i I just always thought they the same film. Yeah, that's 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 weird. But what do we got? The first first uh, crime scene here. The the gluttony. I mean, the whole thing here just looks fucking gross, doesn't it? It's so
1: uh, like off-putting. Like I think uh, I'm trying to think what's the most uh you know, like gross-looking scene. Obviously. There's another one that stands out, but this one, it's, it's horrid. Like, this apartment is filthy, there's roaches everywhere, and when he goes underneath, and there's the,
0: the yeah. bucket. Oh, oh, like the Fucking vomit.
1: Was there any blood in it?
0: <laughs> Help yourself. <laughs> but as well, you can also see, like, I know we've got some... Um, you know, differences between Mills and Somerset here but even here where you got Mills waiting out in the rain like nothing protect like nothing covering his head or anything two yeah. coffees soon as soon as Somerset gets there offers him a coffee nah come on it it's like, uh, okay it's like Mills is so he, he doesn't really know what to expect yet like he's he goes into this uh this crime scene and he's sort of chilling like he's uh you know he's having casual conversations with him still and Somerset's not having it and he's like well, could you please be quiet it's like Jesus all right
1: yeah, I, I feel like you're trying to say it says a lot about Mills. I think it says more about Somerset because I feel like Mills- No, 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 like it's we, Somerset. I feel like, like we, are, we are Mills here. Like Mills is behaving yeah. as a normal person you would expect to behave. You know, his first day, gets his partner a coffee, the partner just ignores it and it's like, yeah. okay. He's trying to make conversation, you know, throughout their work and the partner's like, be quiet. I love the foreshadowing the way- here though of- um. Yeah, you know, like Mills really has a problem with uh, them not checking to see whether this guy's dead or not, and he says, yeah. "You know, how many times do you know, do you see, you know, dead bodies not
0: dead?" And I was like, "Ah, that's gonna come. That's gonna come back." <laughs> <laughs> this film is like very dark in certain scenes. Here, the way they did that was a sort a chemical process called bleach bypass, where the silver in the film stock is not completely removed which in turn deepen the dark shadowy images in the film and increase its overall tonal quality. Interesting. I mean it makes the whole scene and, and most of the movie in general just look grimy and and you know obviously these crime scenes and the terrible weather really help that situation but just there is no you know good looking shot in this film you know what I mean like from a Yeah until grimy the perspective,
1: end which just makes the end stand out so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like despite despite uh how dark this film is this would normally be the sort of film that i wouldn't want to watch again and again i could watch it once and love it but never want to watch it again but this one i don't know what it is about this film it's so easy to rewatch, despite the content being so disturbing it's very
0: unusual and i feel like the end of it really cleanses that dark palette but i also feel like it's it's how they've set this film up from beginning to end. You've got the two conflicting detectives here and how they're going about their, you know, their individual investigations. You've got the the structure of the film, you know, seven deadly sins. So you know you're going to be following these these deaths along the way. The the day count, he's got seven days to retirement. So this is a much easier sort of crime mystery to follow along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The structure of this film is phenomenal.
0: I mean, we're talking about Hothead Mills here. There was a just a very quick thing that he did uh, back at the start of the film is when they their first meeting and they they're walking the street. There's a guy who walks past him and bumps him in the shoulder. And he ha- and Hothead Mills like turns around ready to like abuse him, but decides against it and keeps going. Like he has this sort of angry look on his face like you, get, you can't just let it go. He was ready to turn around and like fling abuse at him.
1: Well, he's someone who's, you know, feeds off his emotions, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: So Mills uh, gets sent away, as we said, by Somerset and gets told to go door knocking. Yeah. I love Mills' reaction in the next scene when they're in the car. He's like, You've seen my file? Yeah. No.
0: He's <laughs> 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 just like, It's basically the, you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, isn't it? Look at this autopsy here.
1: Yeah, massive neck. Quite a scene. Guy. But again, Mills cracking jokes like, Ladies and gentlemen,
0: we have ourselves a homicide. Like it's like something like uh, a Hollywood movie star would say, you know. But is it something as well to break the 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 tension as well? Like if you're going to be doing this, seeing this stuff on a daily basis. Yeah, it's great for the audience to have this
1: character like that. But yeah, you know, I I understand Somerset's mentality of like, shut the fuck up, kid. We got work to do. <laughs> And I love that they set up like you know the killer could have been doing this to this guy for twelve whole hours. Like how how sadistic is our killer? You know, <laughs> and, and it's again, nothing compared to the rest
0: of them. Yeah, we're gonna raise the stakes. We're gonna continually keep raising these stakes here. I, I I love that. But even here, you can see where the convo with the captain here and Mills, sorry Somerset, is just he doesn't think Mills is ready for this kind of thing. Like he knows what they're getting into here. Like he he's seen enough of this shit. Like it, it's it's methodical. He. You know, he meant to do this. This killer has a purpose for this. This is not the only time this is going to happen. He's already expecting that this is going to be a recurring thing. He wants off the case. He thinks Mills isn't ready for it, like for his first try, his first you know case in this this random city. This <laughs> should Mills not be like,
1: his first assignment.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Mills is just like, now he's had enough. He's calling him a fuckhead, and you know, I'm ready for it. And the guy's like, just shut the fuck up, alright? Yeah,
1: all right. But now we're at Tuesday.
0: That's right. Mills got reassigned, and he's over to the greed victim.
1: Yeah, Eli Gould, it is. And we're sort of presented with this, this scene here. We've got the scales on the carpet, the blood the guy bent over, the
0: framed photo of the woman with the eyes all bloody. That was good. Yeah, he's dropping hints. There's a little section here where you have the DA who's on the, the TV talking about how this could have been, a, you know, attorney-based related. And that was this sort of a, a quick little, you know, uh, send you down the wrong path for people who w- weren't aware this is for the deadly de- se- the d- seven deadly sins maybe they're looking at this like it's uh I don't know It's the conversation that the DA has with these reporters doesn't end up going anywhere like they're talking about I think the, f- the funny thing is though or the ironic thing is at the end of it he's like this will be the definition of, of, of swift justice it's like nope it's, it's far from the case I mean, it's it's all wrapped up in under a week. I mean, that's that's pretty
1: fucking swift, Endo. After what five more deaths? I think it's funny that you know, there's Mills is watching this. Like, okay, I never told anyone this or that. Yep, this will be real quick. We have got this. You know, he's just like, ah, pressure. <laughs> ah <laughs> I mean, you mentioned before, like, maybe this is for the people not knowing it's Seven Deadly Sins. Who the hell is seeing this movie and not knowing, A, it's called Seven, and B, it's about a serial killer who kills according to the Seven Deadly Sins? That is just the easiest, you know, little,
0: oh, what's that movie about? Seven Deadly Sins, serial killer. That's true. But, I mean, at this point, we didn't see the gluttony. We just saw a big fat guy dead. There might be a couple of people who thought, oh, this is just a murder mystery. And then when they said the greed, like, ooh, ooh, is this seven? Seven deli-
1: Holy shit. I just think they needed something to be happening while Mills was by himself. In this crime scene, because otherwise, like, he does nothing. That's the thing. There's no one else in there for him to talk to. There's no one to bounce off. He's just in this room. He doesn't find anything out. They need something happening. So having the TV on and him reacting to the TV at least pushes this scene along a bit and it's not a boring scene because of that. Whilst it is ultimately irrelevant, it still has him reacting to it and pressure being placed on him to deliver.
0: But the captain talking to Somerset here about his retirement, basically, you know, you're not going to be a cop anymore. Like, pe- cops who retire, there's that, isn't there that saying, like, you never fully retire, like, you can never get away from the job. But Somerset is pretty keen to get away from all this. That story he tells about the guy, who, you know, got mugged and then got his eyes stabbed out for no reason. It's like, fucking hell
1: no the 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 kicker of that story is like because yeah you know he says this this guy got mugged he was on the floor and then the person who mugged him stabbed him in both eyes right that's not the kicker the kicker is this happened last night four blocks from here like this is not a big deal this is just standard in this town that's that's the stinger it's not that wow that's that's real bad what happened it's just like yeah that's a normal you know tuesday night or monday night it's like the captain didn't even know
0: about it. He's talking to him like it's news. I mean, yeah, the captain wouldn't. You think the captain knows about every like killing in this town? Well, he knows about the big high, the high-priced lawyer getting his, uh, you know, half his pound of flesh or whatever it is cut out. Mm. And even I, I always equate the uh, uh, Somerset Taller Mills. Like, could you please be quiet? To this scene as well, where the guy is scratching his name off the door. He's like, "Excuse me, could you not do that?" <laughs> He's just so proper with telling people to fuck off.
1: Yeah, but he is certainly prick up when uh, the captain tells him that these pieces of plastic were fed to the gluttony victim,
0: especially after he hears that he had greed written on the floor of the yeah the, the, the Eli Gould.
1: So now Somerset does some detective work here. Opens the fridge, mm. finds the, the where the strips have been taken from, you know, from the bottom underneath the fridge. And that's where he sees the big gluttony written in grease.
0: Now, what happened if he never found that? Does, like, John Doe just get away with everything after that? Well, what's what's the next murder victim they find? Uh, sloth, which requires a lot of detective work to get there. Like, a lot. They have to literally, like, take the painting off Eli Gould's office, yep. find the fingerprints, get the fingerprint. Like, it's... Gluttony is the only one that isn't in their face when they go there. Every other time, the, the writing is plain as day there for them to see. This He actually has to go back and be just from a couple of like slithers that are found in the stomach. He like it has to be part of the fridge where behind that is the word. Like it's man, that is a lot to to deduce. Like what if Mills got, you know, assigned this one and, and Somerset went off to do the greed one? I mean,
1: if, yeah, because the thing is that John Doe has planned this out to perfection, right? You know, he. One year to the day, we were in this uh, room, we were finding him, and he planned all this out. You're right. What if they hadn't have found that? What if they hadn't have researched and gotten to to this guy here? But also, what if it wasn't Mills who was with this? What if it was Somerset and another old grumpy
0: guy like Somerset? Yeah. What if there is no envy there? What What is his plan? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously been planning this for a very long time and he knows that by the end of this, I'm going to be envious of someone and... Kill someone they know. I mean, that's that's very hard.
1: He knows by the end he's going to be envious of someone. Like,
0: no, no, this is his plan. This is how he wants it to finish. He knows. He knows what he's going to be doing, and he wants to finish off with envy and wrath. Like, you don't think he's thinking of this on the fly, is he? He's not doing this on the Saturday or Sunday morning. Like, oh, I think we've got to go. what have we got? Envy and wrath left. left. Okay, how am I going to finish this?
1: I mean, I th- I'm just pointing out that he was incredibly lucky that there was a detective I- I was on the case. That out. <laughs> That there's a detective. I feel like you're arguing against me. (laughs) I feel like I'm saying, well, yeah, there is an element of him planning this on the fly because he got so lucky that he gets a guy like Mills to, um, you know, investigate this case. Someone who he can envy, not just that, but someone who is married, who has someone who, you know, once he kills is going to be justification for this guy to kill him. Like that's his perfect completed
0: masterpiece. Well, maybe, maybe when it happens later, when they actually make him have to reschedule his thing, like they, they show up at his doorstep, he was not expecting that. Maybe after that. Is the whole new plan like maybe there was something else he was going to be doing? But because they've showed up and really messed up with what he was doing, he could, when he says on the phone like you've really messed up my schedule, I'm going to have to change it now. Yeah, change schedule, he, you know-
1: not change entire plan. There's no way he didn't have the last two mapped out already. But what I'm saying is it maybe doesn't has- make a heap of sense because he sort of got super lucky that he got in with someone who was being investigated with someone who he could envy and could commit wrath.
0: Maybe that wasn't part of his initial plan. Maybe he had something else on the mind there. But the fact that he had Mills, who you know chased him down, and you know he admired him for what they were doing. Like he admired both of them for you know being able to find him like yeah, that. So Maybe it is on the fly. Yeah, it's a replan. A who re-plan. knows what his original one was? You're just making yeah. up words
1: now. Replan is not a not an expression. It's a replan. He, he rearranged oh, of course, his plan. A replan. How <laughs> did I don't yeah. not think of the replan? <laughs> It definitely would not have been as impressive, though, had he had, you know, his original plan that he had to replan uh, been where he kills someone who is envious and then he kills someone who is wrath. Yeah, sort of worked out well for him. I wonder if he would have killed himself because that's wrath. Is it? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he's killing all these people and that is,
0: you know, wrathful. Is wrathful a word? As much as replan is. A simple no would suffice, Hendo. <laughs> What about this whole section here where they're basically studying up on uh, Canterbury Tales and uh, Dante? I like the line where Somerset's in the taxi and he's like, "Where are you heading?" He's like, "Far away from here." As he's watching, like some people just like attack some person on the ground right next to him. Yeah, sort of feel like a you know a cop maybe should have got out and helped. That's fine. That's fine. What's what's he gonna do? He's got some books to read. Now, would you be the guards playing poker or the or the guy reading the books? I'd be the guy Gentlemen. playing poker. Oh, All this knowledge in the tip of your hands and you decide to play poker. Yeah, no shit.
1: What am I holding, Hendo? It's a phone. Literally every bit of knowledge in the world (laughs) is in my hand right now and I will not look at it. Everyone now has every book in their hand and we don't, we don't, Care <laughs> <laughs> now. This this um guard is he in something? I was going to look this up, but I uh, ran out of time. Is this guy in something? The the black guy with the longer hair who calls him smiling. Who smiley. turns the music on? Yeah.
0: Did you know what music he turned on? Uh, I know that song from a James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me.
1: Yeah, I actually recognise it. It's Bucks Air. Ah, uh, look
0: at you. Did you get that off Google, or did you look at that up in a library?
1: It was on the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the only thing you would know him from is the the bus driver in Speed.
1: Yeah, bloody oath, the bus driver in Speed. What else would I know him from? Nothing. You you didn't
0: recognize him? His face looked familiar, but I'm not going to go, oh, that's the guy from Speed. His hair is just so unique. All right, if you say so. You don't think so? No. Do you know
1: that DA is played by Richard Roundtree, who was Shaft in Shaft? I did not
0: know that. I knew it was played by Richard Roundtree. Yeah, he was Shaft in the 1971 film Shaft. He's also in the Sam Jackson Shaft as Uncle John Shaft. And he's probably also in the 2019 version as Old Old Shaft.
1: Uh, he actually goes by John Shaft, Senior, in that version. There you go.
0: So, like, Somerset is obviously at this library basically all night getting all this info. When does this bastard sleep? Wednesday. Because I'm pretty sure when he, when he drops <laughs> in the... yeah. Well, he's, still, he's at work at Wednesday. You see him there like when he moves his chair over to the other side of the office. Maybe that's You're why we miss like,
1: Friday, because they sleep through Friday.
0: But he, I'm pretty sure it's at the start of Thursday, they're sleeping. Hmm. Maybe that's the case. Maybe because he got fuck all sleep on uh, Tuesday night, that they, they had a big, long sleep Wednesday night. Maybe. I love how you got, again, more contrast between Mills and Somerset. you got Somerset, who does all the research, goes through all the books, photocopies, everything. And then Mills just gets the... Uh, the, basically, the idiot's guide to Dante and Canterbury. Yeah, the Cliff Notes. Yeah,
1: which I don't think I'd ever picked up on before. That. Oh, Not I really? thought I thought the cop that gave him the stuff gave him the books, but he gets the Cliff Notes, and then that's why yeah. when they're in the office together, he
0: like hides them in his drawer. Yeah, and even later on when they're talking over dinner at his place, and he mentions, it, he goes, "Oh, you 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 read it?" I was like, "Hey, eh. yeah, a little bit." <laughs> There's Tracy given Somerset a call here? Don't want to speak to Mills. Just wants to call just wants to talk to Somerset come around for dinner I mean what do you make of this move well we can see already that uh Mills has been talking a lot about Somerset to Tracy the way she the way she says it so they, and she has no one there she knows no one so they need to have you know some sort of social interaction I mean he's known the, the guy Mills, he's known the
1: guy <laughs> two days I' will tell you now if my missus was calling up someone at work that I'd worked with for two days inviting them around to my
0: house I would be furious. To be fair, she calls Mills and says, Can you please put the phone on to Somerset? And doesn't he's like, make- Why? Why? <laughs>
1: I love how afterwards Somerset's just like, doesn't say what's happened. And he's like, Well, <laughs> what? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I've been invited over for late supper.
0: <laughs> I love how she doesn't even like wait to talk to Mills again after it. She's already hung up by the time he gets the phone. Yeah. There's a bit more character development with this scene. How they're having dinner, talking about why Somerset didn't marry. You know, all about Mills and Mills and Tracy, high school sweethearts. Pretty funny how they're like, "Oh, where are the kids?" And then he goes and you know tackles the three dogs.
1: Yeah, three dogs. I think you can really tell that they're not city people when they have Mm. three pretty big dogs inside this apartment.
0: Yeah, in this room that's just shrouded in newspaper. Which, to be honest, they wouldn't get out much.
1: Yeah, it depends on the dog though. Like my dog. I've got an American bulldog and she she would happily sleep like every hour of the day. She's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> like you could have her as an apartment dog because she like she's always happy to go for walks and stuff, but she will happily sleep all day every day.
0: That's the kind of dog you want.
1: It is good though because it's very obvious that Somerset is seeing Mills in a different light here. Like he's seeing the the full person of who Mills is versus this hot shot, annoying rookie cop that he's been dealing with. And even when yeah. Tracy's saying that they were high school sweethearts, he's just like,
0: really? Like, <laughs> that guy? <laughs> yeah, what did she mention? He, uh, she, uh, he was one of the funniest guys she ever met, always made him laugh. Yeah. He's like, oh, interesting. Oh, I hate his jokes. They suck. And <laughs> <laughs> you even get a bit of lighthearted humour from Somerset here, like when the uh, when the house starts to shake because of the the subway that goes past. And he just bursts out laughing and they all have, a, they all, mostly uh, Tracy and Somerset have a good laugh about this. Mills like, yeah, all right, laugh it up, laugh it uh, up.
1: Yeah, I love it because Mills is like, I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> like, you got to live here too. I, I admit, Morgan Freeman's
0: laugh, it was so infectious. I laughed at this. <laughs> just like the, the burst out laughing. It's, just, it's silence and then just that, yeah. And there's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> God, I'm glad that wasn't his laugh. Hey. <laughs> uh, a bit more info here. Uh, looking at the uh, the pictures of the Eli Gould for greed. Just trying to go through everything here. And it Takes them a bit to get to the blood eyes of the wife. Surely that yeah. would have been like the first thing to do.
1: Yeah, and then as soon as they get that, Morgan, oh, Somerset just immediately jumps straight to the right answer. But you're right. Like the blood painted on the eyes is the the biggest thing. Like. The rest is the murder scene. Why did the killer do this? And Mills is just like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's this photo as well. And someone says, like, What What if it isn't something she
2: has seen? Something she's supposed to see but hasn't been given a chance.
1: It's like, ah, you're kind of a psychic at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As Tracy wakes up and no one's there. Let me just leave her a note, maybe. Hey, go on to do some crime work. (laughs) <laughs> Gone to do some crime work. <laughs> Gone to work. Gone to do some investigation. Something. It's like three in the morning, isn't it?
1: I mean, have you ever left in the middle of the night and left
0: a note? I don't think I've had to leave in the middle of the night. Really? Yeah. Oh, I definitely have. What do you do if like alarms go off at work? I don't think I've ever got to that point where I've had to... Go get an alarm and then come home. Like if that's the case, like I'm I'm going to work that morning anyway. And if I leave it like the alarm goes off at like three in the morning, then I just I'm off to work.
1: Oh, okay. Like sometimes we'll have a fridge um alarm go off. You know, eleven o'clock at night, and it's like, all right, I'm going to work.
0: Yeah, but I'm generally awake still at that time.
1: Oh, all right, Mr. Coolbody. Body. All right,
0: just because
1: <laughs> you, you stay up all night. Some of us are <laughs> falling asleep Coolbody. on the couch at seven thirty. <laughs>
0: That's my intro now. My name is Mr. Coolbody. What's wrong with Mr. Coolbody?
1: I've never heard that in my life. Well, it's a
0: Dino original. Get used to (laughs) him. So what does Mrs. Gould say here? The the painting is upside down.
1: Yes. That's going to
0: take some uh, incredible detection. How often is that wife in that office to know that? Maybe she bought it for him.
1: I don't think so. That is a very good point, though. Gee, we're, we're really picking holes in this film.
0: Ah, oh, man. Maybe I should stop doing it then. <laughs> Spoiler alert, this film's phenomenal. You're making me reconsider my rating. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a very famous painting that she just knows about. I mean, is this even a recommend for you at this point with all these plot holes? <laughs> <laughs> so many. Um, on my 10th watch, I, I picked up on all this shit. <laughs> Again, more contrast between Mills and Somerset here. Where just because they can't find anything on the painting, Mills has just given up. It's like, yeah, he's fucking with us. Like, and he starts like, yeah, this is us. He's just bending over in the corner. This is us. And yeah. Somerset is still funny. trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> and even when Somerset gets up on the on the the chest of drawers, I think it is to check the wall. Even Mills is still going, ah, oh, we got fucking Somerset on the on the the furniture now. He doesn't even care. Like he's just giving up. It's like Jesus Christ, mate. How are you gonna survive this? What do you think of the use of the sound here when the guy's blowing the the powder off the fingerprints and every time he goes across the screen that's the sound it makes like it doesn't you don't hear it when it's off the screen you didn't pick up on that at all did you i think it was forgettable endo <laughs> i don't think it is at all i see i remember that every single time i watched this film really yeah okay interesting <laughs> maybe you will on your eighth watch no, but he's really playing with them here using the finger fingerprints to say help me on the wall
1: yep the next victim's fingerprints Mm-hmm. And again, we get Somerset and Mills having some more discussions about how shit life is and you <laughs> know, all, that, all that jazz. There's real depressing stuff from Somerset nonstop. You know. Oh,
0: he's, he's so bleak. What's he saying? Like, we're, we're just here to organize all the facts. No, we're he not, says, we're not going to solve this. He has
1: an analogy here. He says, we're just picking up diamonds on a deserted island, saving them in
0: case we get rescued. It's like, oh. God, <laughs> mate. Retire now. <laughs> all right, we've hit Thursday. And they're asleep on the couch, like classic Dean move. It's a Dean special. It is. I mean, you joke about it, but like this movie. I'm not joking.
1: I started this movie at like four o'clock yesterday afternoon instead of (sighs) after the kids went to bed because I knew as good as this film is, not one bit of chance was there that I would stay awake during this (laughs) film. Not one. Not one. So I'm watching seven with the kids around and I said to them, I said, like, I was in a corner. I was watching it on a, um, a monitor instead of the, the TV screen. And I said, right, guys, this film is horrifically violent. Like, it's scary for me. Please do not walk past this monitor. <laughs> and at one point, my uh, 10-year-old Mia, she walked past. And you know what she said? She goes, is that Morgan Freeman? And I was like, "Wow, how do you know who Morgan Freeman is? Can you guess? Where a 10-year-old would know Morgan Freeman from. There's no way you'll get it. The Lego movie? No. She goes, oh, he's in that movie with the guy in that show you like, uh, The Office.
0: Oh, Bruce Almighty. Evan Almighty.
1: Evan Almighty. I was like, Who <laughs> wow. did you watch? I haven't even seen Evan
0: Almighty. When is she watching Evan <laughs> Almighty? <laughs> Jeez. No, but they get the match on the print. This guy named Victor. I love how that little tie-in that, yeah, he was, uh, Eli, Gould rep- Eli Gould represented him. Like, isn't this guy like a big high price attorney? Why is he representing some scummy douchebag? I'm gonna stop talking about the bad things in this film. All right, that's the last one.
1: Yeah, maybe he was doing it pro bono because he felt bad for uh this guy. Sure. Sure he did. Actually, that doesn't fit at all because he is <laughs> the embodiment of greed. Yeah. You're right. How is this guy getting paid for his work here?
0: Could have been a high price case, like a, a big um like a TV case, because this guy had done multiple awful things. Maybe it was a, you know, a big one. I mean, they listed
1: attempted rape of a minor in this city. No offense, but I feel like attempting to rape a minor isn't even scratching the surface of horrendous stuff that will happen in
0: this city. That is true. So what happens here? We've got the SWAT team and Dr. Cox, they head on out. California. Looks a little different. Nice shaved head. No, it looks the same. I like that he calls the (laughs)
1: detectives dicks. And I don't think I ever realized, I think having watched it, for some reason, I don't even know why, for some reason, this watching, I watched it with subtitles, Um, I think I always thought he was saying, like, Dex, like, Detectives, Dex. What? He's like, Dex, Dex. I was like, ah. Did that just blow your mind? It just blew my mind that I was yelling dicks repeatedly and someone just walked in the room next to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's more conversation with Mills and Somerset here on the way there where they're talking about, have they ever you know, pulled the trigger, used their gun. Interesting to hear that Mills has killed someone before, but to him, it really seems like it doesn't matter. Like, you can't even remember the guy's name. It's like, ah, uh, it was a guy. What was his name? Uh, it doesn't really seem to have affected him. Is this just setting up that it's going to be easier for him to pull the trigger later?
1: I honestly thought he was struggling to remember the name of the guy that he was protecting rather than the guy mm, he killed. Nah, he I think like, it was the, was the guy was killed. like, that uh that was shot?
0: Either way, it shows he doesn't really- it didn't really affect him that much
1: no either way i think the big part of or the big benefit of this conversation is when either of them draw their gun it matters this is yes. not something they commonly do even in this city. And like Somerset draws his gun multiple times after this point. At least two. Is it just two? He draws it when he's... Um, obviously, they first see John Doe, and he draws no, it... He draw-
0: I'm pretty sure he pulls the gun out again in John Doe's house when Mills yells out to him. Okay. Yep. I thought he just
1: reaches, but doesn't pull. But either way, it, it increases the, uh, the stakes when the gun
0: is pulled out, which is great. So they find Sloth here. He is all fucked up. This scene is just fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's nasty.
0: And it's good that you
1: got, you know, tough guy Cox here who's like, who is affected by it too. Yeah. You know, like this isn't something that he's like, eh, whatever, harden up. He's like, oh, fuck me.
0: I've got to say the score as well. We have mentioned that. It's incredibly intense, especially like right now with that just that boom, yeah. boom, especially when they're going into the room and all the, all the little... Uh, like the scented trees are there as well. It's like, yeah. this place is fucked.
1: I love that touch, the scented trees, yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: he's not dead.
0: <laughs> do you ever do you remember the first time you watched this with that?
1: No, but I actually wrote the note that this would have been a great jump scare the first time. Like
0: this Absolutely. This would have been a huge surprise that this guy's alive. Massive surprise for the cast as well, because Fincher didn't tell them that he was alive. That shot with McGinley looking at him going, God, you got what you deserved, you fucker. He did not expect that guy to start coughing. Then God, it's lucky like he didn't shoot him <laughs> with this fake gun. He's got. You don't know. <laughs> just like bash- just bashes him in the head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just punches him right across the face.
1: Uh.
0: A little red herring here. You got John Doe taking the picture. a little photographer.
1: Yep. Now certainly recognise the spacey voice. Now, yes. don't ya? <laughs> Now knowing
0: that it is Kevin Spacey, and even at the, not just this one, but on the telephone call later as well, you can clearly tell it's Kevin Spacey.
1: Yeah, he has a very distinct
0: voice. Mm. He tries to sort of cover it here, but it, it doesn't work at all. And all the stuff they they talk about with this uh, sloth victim here, what what's happened to him, what has been done to him? Yeah, you it's, could shine it's, it's, a torch just,
1: in his eyes and he'd die of shock. Yeah. That's a great line. His brain's
0: just mush. <laughs> yeah, he. What, what does the what else does the doctor say? He goes. um, He's endured more pain than any living human being could have, and he's still got hell to look look forward to. Yeah, good line. So this is still on the same day, as far as I can tell. I didn't. Don't think I missed a Friday yet. Tracy calls uh, Somerset to a diner.
1: I got to be honest. I've just gone through my notes. I don't have a Friday or a Saturday.
0: I have a Saturday.
1: Okay, but no, I have not seen a Friday.
0: Saturday happens when they go to the leather place before the the lust. Yeah. Okay. So I yes. feel like this could be I feel like this could be Friday here because from here till Saturday is when like she calls him to go to a diner maybe this is like a, at a breakfast thing and then at this point they do the whole library card thing they chase him down they they go into his house surely this doesn't happen on the same same morning as when they wake up and they see Victor you wouldn't think so but who knows who knows yeah so Tracy tells Somerset that she's pregnant yeah, this is again very,
1: very bleak story from Somerset here. Really, not giving her the congratulations maybe she was <laughs> <Yeah>. looking for. <laughs> you know, if no. she was, if she was on the fence about it all, uh, yeah. He he doesn't really help her. Um, oh, maybe that's not fair. He doesn't. He doesn't give her a positive outlook on this pregnancy.
0: No, he doesn't. Especially when he talks about what he did when he was younger. Where he basically just he just forced her, not uh, coerced her. No, he into wore an her down. I
1: love I love yes. the wording of that. Yeah, I wore her down over the next few weeks because it's just it's harsh, and you can just and this is a guy who we know to be you know kind and caring, if not abrupt. His heart's in the right place, so for him to be you know persuading someone to get an abortion is uh, jarring. It is. And I think it just goes to show, to emphasise the point of how bad this world seems to him, mm-hmm. where he yeah. goes to these these lengths. This good guy goes to these lengths to not bring a child into the world.
0: And especially Tracy, with her doubts here, she's like, "I don't, I don't want to be in this city, this town. I don't, I, I don't even know if I want to raise a kid here."
1: Yeah, her, her delivery of "I hate this town" or "I hate this city." Yeah. Is is fantastic, but then, of course, like you got this horrible story from Somerset. But then he he sort of brings it back though by saying, "I can tell you now, I'm, I know,
2: (laughs) I'm positive that I made the right decision. But there's not a day that passes that I don't wish that I made
0: a different choice." And again, that's a great line. That is a great line. Here's where Somerset gets a little sneaky with his illegal activities here. They mention the the library card. Oh no, who is it? It's uh it's Mills. What ah, his line's great here.
1: Just because of the fucker's got a library card doesn't make him Yoda.
0: Now this was illegal at the time, but I'm pretty sure it was about two thousand and one when this became legal to track people's uh, information through their library card you know, borrowing, I guess.
1: Do you reckon that happens anymore? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got the one guy one guy at the FBI down in the you know the the bottom uh level in the in the back just watching the library cards you get the library books getting borrowed. It's like once every like week. Boom, So like I got one.
1: Yeah.
0: we got another familiar f- familiar face here. Mark Boone Jr. Yep. Yeah. Nolan mate. Yep. Always plays the scummy guy quite well.
1: Yeah, the uh slightly corrupt cop. <laughs> Always. Yeah, but they end up, in, you know, at John Doe's front door. Got a reveal yeah.
0: here as well when, he, you know, he walks up. Just You don't even see him pull the gun because he's so far away.
1: Yeah, I love that he pauses. It's not like he yes. just runs or he sort of walks up. And the fact that he pauses, he knows I've got to do something here. Like, I, I yeah. you know, I can't just turn around here. I'm stuffed.
0: Pulls the gun, shoots, and then we get a, a chase. A pretty long chase, to be honest. Yeah. I, I forgot how long this chase was. The way it's set up, it really looks like in your typical, you know, cop action film, it would be Somerset that would get the drop on him because he goes a different way and he finds, you know, you got Mills who's like leaping out of buildings and out of windows and smashing through everything. Yeah. And Somerset is, you know, taking his time, he's methodical. You'd get to the point where like Mills, like John Doe would be running outside and Somerset's there, ready for him.
1: Yeah. But it's not that kind of movie though, Hendo.
0: That's right.
1: Some great shots at the end of this uh this chase here with yeah, that that angle, almost that like POV, looking up the gun, and you got the yep. slow mo rain coming down. Brad Pitt's face, yeah, and really the, good and stuff. Just the
0: shot of the, the shot of the puddle, and then you see the silhouette of John Doe oh, just yeah. like walking towards yeah, him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, with this with the score as well, like oh
1: shit, very much. You know, the boogeyman's coming, sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. You see after this that uh, Mills is has his arm bandaged up in this for the rest of the film. Are you going to tell me that Brad Pitt hurt himself in real life? He did. In one of those shots when he was running across the cars, he cut his arm open on one of the windscreen wipers, like muscle tendons, bone, everything was showing. Bone was showing. Yeah, they said open bone. Like this, the cut was so deep that you could like see the bone. Like the elbow? I don't know. He cut his arm pretty bad. A teeth, teeth bone? What? A teeth a- bone? Yeah. Yes. Well. What do you think they were?
1: I'm just making a point where, you know, his bone showing.
0: Oh my God, you're such a fuckwit. <laughs> If you ever notice, there's a couple of scenes uh, prior as well where he actually has his arm bandaged up. But there's just like certain scenes where he's, sit- he's sitting in the uh, the precinct talking about, you know, when you have got Morgan Freeman standing there discussing the the case. He's sitting there with his he- with his arm covered because it's bandaged up.
1: Fair enough. I like this bit where Mills just wants to go through the door, and Somerset is yeah. just like, "Listen, we Problem cannot. We are not meant to be here." And he's like, Calm you "Need out. a reason." He's like, listen, if we do this, if we do this the wrong way, this guy will walk. And I love Mills. He's just like, okay, okay, bang. He's like, well, there's no point arguing about it now. It's done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they do some really dodgy work here. They just pay some rando to just lie and say, yeah, I saw him coming in and out. And It's so ridiculous because Mills is standing there like just, yeah, you talked to Somerset. That's right. You, 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 You did that, didn't you? Like he's coercing her to say it.
1: Yeah, this scene of them searching John Doe's apartment was fantastic. Very eerie.
0: I did mention earlier on about the cost of the the books that they did. They were all written for the film. It took two months to complete it, and it cost about $15,000 to write all those books. Why would someone write all those books? Because Fincher is very meticulous.
1: You're telling me all those books that we don't see opened are written in? Yes. That is not meticulous. That is stupid. Well, Fincher likes to be perfect, doesn't he? These quotes from the diaries are fantastic, though. I really like the one... You know, this guy—he was just normal guy. He was pretty <laughs> bored. Um, you know, and what, what does he do? He throws up in he his just face. He vomits on him. He he vomits I couldn't stop him. laughing. He was He's not like, pleased. He was not pleased.
0: <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing, but he does call them. Yes, he Kevin does. Kevin Spacey voice there,
1: and we get our first. I admire you. They're the first words he says on the phone there.
0: Yeah, he does mention he has to push his schedule forward. He wasn't expecting them to sit to catch up with him so quickly. So I feel like the way he says that, he subtly drops in. I didn't expect to for you to like to find me or to catch up right, right right now. I feel like he had it in his mind the whole time that he was going to like go see them. They were going to meet at some point. I mean, obviously, he needs to hand himself in. So this whole replanning thing, maybe it wasn't as big of a replan as we thought. I think even bigger. Do tell. I
1: mean, I don't think anything's changed from our discussion earlier. I'm not sure why you're thinking that it
0: has because he mentions like, okay, I just I don't know what his initial plan would have been. If he if we've already spoken about it, his plan couldn't have been he need, he's going to going to become envious of someone's life, so he's going to, you know, kill that person and and make them become wrath. I don't know. We've already had a discussion <laughs> Let's fucking <pick> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I'm not bringing that back. All right, we get lost. Yes. This is Jesus, I mean, so so thankful that we don't actually have to see this. And it's just the way it's presented, the way they, the way the film is edited, where you go back and forth, and the uh, interrogation from this guy and what he's saying, and then it cuts, and you know, you see the picture of the, you know, the knife on the the BDSM thing that he's got, and. You know how we we have Mills talking to the owner of the place. You know, do you like what you do? He's like, no, I don't. But that's life, isn't it? Like, you just say how scummy this place is, and just this yeah, other guy. I feel guy like is he so would get on really tormented. well with Somerset. <laughs> he should have interrogated him.
1: Yeah, what really sells it, without doubt, is this uh, this guy. His performance of saying, you know, like he made me do it. And he's like crying so screaming. Oh, yeah. What a fantastic performance from this guy.
0: This guy, Leland Orser, apparently in preparation for Leland this role, Mix. he w- No. <laughs> he would breathe in and out very rapidly so that his body would be overly saturated with oxygen, giving him the ability to hyperventilate. He also didn't sleep for a few days in order to achieve his character's disorientated look. Really went into it. There you go. Probably earned his five grand well. Definitely. Sure it would have been a bit more than that. I like the shot you have of both of them in the the different booths, like the different interrogation rooms where, you know, mm. it, it pans across to the other one. So that was a nice little touch there. But they're at the bar now and they're having a good conversation here about apathy and their different views on life. And Mills is still Mills is still upbeat. He still thinks there's good going on. But uh, you know, Somerset is just so ready to kick it in.
1: Yeah, it's great because Somerset, he's so wise, you know, he's saying like, even if this guy, even if we catch him in, he's literally the devil, the devil himself, like still, it won't be enough. Like you need to yeah. prepare yourself. This is just going to be some guy. And and Mills, I, I love Mills here. He's just like, listen, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to get me to, you know, think this certain way, but nah, I'm not doing it. I'm positive. You're yeah. negative.
0: That's great. He goes home and hugs Tracy for the, the last time. And even Somerset, he's, he's having, I do know, some, a couple of changes here. You know, ditches the monotone. Now he's going to start throwing the knife at the dartboard.
1: Yeah, the switchblade.
0: Yeah, that's all just leading up to Sunday. But we're not there yet because we have the fifth kill, Pride. This one is, you know, quick. This one is a bit of an afterthought. Excellent. <laughs>
1: Hey, I already made that joke this episode. What are you doing? Oh my oh my
0: you did it. You, you paused a little while ago. I was going to throw it in there, I am like, nah, this is perfect." Hmm.
1: Was it? Um, yeah, definitely the least memorable, least impactful. Yeah, I um, mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's a good setup, you know, giving the woman the option. Very sore though, isn't it? Like, oh, he didn't kill her; she killed herself.
0: Well. If we go back to it, I think John Doe's only killed the gluttony guy. The greed guy kills himself by cutting off his own flesh and bleeding out. The sloth guy is still alive, and the lust girl gets killed by the other guy.
1: I mean, I think he dies, doesn't he? The sloth guy.
0: He never. They never say that he died. Yeah. Like, he's just in that super intensive care. He will die, but- like, John Doe didn't do it. Like, John Doe didn't ki- actively kill him right there.
1: I don't know. I feel like this is one of those, like, I didn't do it. The bullets in your head did it, you know? like eh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. He, his actions caused it. Without I mean, him, I mean, they would the, be alive. It, in the end, he cuts Tracy's head off. I think that's that's all we need. Yeah. We do get a quick little mention from Somerset that he's going to stay on until this is done.
1: I like that Somerset is asking Mills to stay on. You yeah. You know, he's very respectful. But what do we get? Yeah. Jesus Christ! What a reveal! What a moment! Like phenomenal. Having Kevin Spacey as this killer it was just perfect.
0: He just—I uh, think—Usual Suspects had came out earlier on that year, so he was very uh, hot in pe- like yeah, hot in people's minds. Here, uh, the producers wanted Kevin Spacey to have top billing at the start of the movie, but it was actually Kevin Spacey who didn't want to have his name appear in the credits, so they could surprise the audience with his identity. Uh, to compensate, they made, they listed him twice in the closing credits. There's another advantage that Spacey said to this point is that he didn't have to do any public appearances or any any, any interviews for the film. Yeah. No, but you can see, like, I don't, Mills is thinking, yeah, I've got you. This is all over. Like, I'm in control here. He's like, are you really? Do you really think that? Yeah, I, d- I don't
1: think he does, though. I actually feel like this is one of those times where Mills and Somerset are on the same page because they're just like... They they know something's up. They're like there's no oh, way this guy is turning himself in. Like he's I mean he's Somerset two murders says away that to him. from him completing his masterpiece, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's like for for the first time this whole thing, I agree with you. There's something going on here. But Mills still acts like like we've got you. Like we've got you dead to rights. But now he's got two bodies left. Uh he'll put, he'll plead guilt. he'll plead guilty, but Somerset and Mills have to go along with it here. I mean, they've got it like John Doe and this lawyer have got him by the balls. Like, they need to do this. I mean, in today's society, would they take this killer out now? Like what the lawyer says, if you deny this and then the the press gets that word that you just decided to let these two bodies disappear and not take this, there'd be a frenzy.
1: I don't know.
0: It's tough. But they're shaving their chest here to put the mic on, and Mills goes to say something to Somerset but decides against it and then walks off. Like, what did you think that was? I thought he was going to talk about his nipple more to be honest. <laughs> talk about Somerset's nipple.
1: Like maybe he was actually, you know, not joking earlier and thinks maybe I should just shave it off and get the workers comp.
0: <laughs> I don't need this shit.
1: <laughs> I don't know, it's probably it's probably honestly it's probably more of that um you know macho stuff where you don't want to tell another guy that you know you really appreciate them you really value their presence and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Okay. I think I think that's I think that was more of a silent understanding that they both have now you know learned to uh, respect the other.
0: Yeah, like that subtle uh, head tip that we understand. Hmm. In the car on the way to the site, this is a great conversation all the way through. I mean, Kevin Spacey is, yeah. Beyond is so great. good. Beyond yeah. great
1: like Kevin Spacey here justifying his kills here and it's just line after line like you could just quote this whole thing line after line is just phenomenal like like innocent uh you're trying to be funny
0: <laughs> not even just that that monologue he gives there but even earlier when he's he's baiting mills as well oh don't worry you won't miss a thing you're going to love it this got, this is going to end so good you have got no idea He's he's so he's so he's so smug. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's, Somerset, he's incredibly yeah. intelligent.
1: I love Somerset sort of saying like, "Oh, you're saying this is from a higher power, but uh, don't you think it's weird that you enjoy it so much?" And you know, John Doe has the has this great comeback where you know, I I didn't enjoy it any more than you know if Mills would enjoy time in you know a, a windowless room with me or whatever he says. It's it's great.
0: But they're out in the middle of buttfuck nowhere now. The the tone has definitely changed or the the setting has definitely changed. You've gone from just dark and gloomy and rainy for the first six days, and now you're in this dry open desert, basically. It's just orange. It's all orange. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is much of a trivia piece, but I did I watched a couple of like video essays and, and shit on seven before we did this. And they mentioned like all the electrical towers and all that. There's there's certain shots where there's just the way they're shaped, there's like multiple sevens all through the electrical towers. I'm like, "Eh, get the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah, they're reaching. You
0: can make a seven shape out of almost anything. Yeah, seven is not an unusual shape. (laughs) (laughs) Did you laugh at the... uh, Dead dog.
2: I didn't do that.
0: (laughs) It always gets me. Yeah, it's funny. No, and there's just so much tension here like you just if you don't, haven't seen this before you just got no and I must say I, i've seen this i did say i've seen this like nine or ten times a lot of those times were me getting other people to watch this film
1: yeah okay I, I didn't do that with this film with anyone i don't think
0: but even just the like how dramatic it is when the van starts rocking up and the music's so intense and you know somerset drives after it and you just—it's everything. It's so on edge. Like you have yeah, no because, idea what's going to go on here.
1: Because like, who knows what could be in this van? Like, it could be an accomplice. Hey. Like Kevin's you yeah, know, John Doe has planned something here, and it's just this guy delivering this little box, and it's like, okay, bomb, bomb, and it's like, all right, let's get the bomb squad. Would Somerset just
0: open it? Maybe that was a little out of character. No, but- I feel like he—he he knows that John Doe is not just going to have a bomb there to blow him up like that's not his that's not his mo it's not his method yeah. you talk about tension like we're talking about tension as well like when the helicopters in, it's like oh this is there's no ambush here it's out in the open yet the next scene after they leave there's like they pull up to this caravan like this is a perfect ambush like, <laughs> okay so, how, how can you tell yeah but he decides to open it and this is where you get my excellent and also my
1: excellent
0: and if I'm not mistaken, everyone else's...
1: Excellent!
0: I don't think there's been a
1: more obvious or less obvious uh, excellent here. Because, yeah, there's, there's no question. Even in a film as amazing as this, all-rounder, this ending just elevates this film to the absolute god tier of films. Uh Like when, like Morgan Freeman's reaction when he sees and he realizes and he knows, oh my god, I have to get to Mills here. And then because he's so far away, though, like you've got him like running, and you've got John just so casually, like he's talking and talking and talking, and Mills isn't really paying. Yeah, and but Mills isn't paying him a huge amount of attention. Mills is caring about what is Somerset doing.
0: What is Somerset doing over there? What's great is it's also Finch's like direction as well as do- as he does here. Because when Mills is not paying attention to John Doe, he is so out of focus in the back, like he's nothing right now. And then once he mentions, you know, his wife and the focus is so heavily on him, especially yeah. when Somerset gets there and everything's just going crazy. The camera work like on Mills is so it's like handheld, it's shaky. Yeah. And every time they cut the John Doe, it is like it's on a steady cam. It's not moving. He is so cool, calm, and collected. He is in control here and then cuts back to Mills. And it's just all over the joint. Like he he's just scattered. It's so well done how this whole scene is is shot and set up and the way you get certain um certain positions on how he's looking. This this is such an intense and fucking crazy scene just the way he pressures Mills into doing what he wants and even Somerset how he's there he's like if you kill him he will win and he's just like, and that reaction from Mills is like oh
2: God oh God oh
1: yeah and it gets even worse when when he's just like... Um, she begged for her life and the life of her unborn baby. And then yep. you get Somerset react and John Doe realises that Mills doesn't know. And he, like, smirks and, like, says to Somerset, like... He didn't know. Like, they've got this inside joke now. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Like, it's so believable that everything that has happened will lead to Mills killing this guy right now.
0: And you see even, like, the the conflicting pressure that Mills has here. Like, it, like you see him, like... He's got the gun pointed up, and then he he tilts to one yeah, side to yep. you know, let let out some emotion. Then he picks the gun up and goes, "Oh, oh no, I can't!" Oh, and he does it like several times. Do you notice the quick little the quick little like one shot of yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow? Yep, yep, yeah. Tracy. And that's when he that's yeah that's when it tips him over the edge. Yeah, and you see John Doe like he knows he's got it. He closes his eyes, and fucking bang! And I I uh this whole point from from the point where he opens up the box. Like, it's just them. Like, you don't see the helicopters or anything. Like, they're not part of this. And as soon as he shoots him, then then everyone else gets back involved. Yeah. It's funny, like, though, it's because, so personal between them. Yeah,
1: and like Somerset says to his mic, like, California, stay away. John Dole yeah. has the upper hand now. <laughs>
0: it's great. And you're like, well, how the fuck is he? he? How the fuck has he got the upper like, hand? Yeah.
1: But, you know, become vengeance, David. Become wrath. Like, how amazing oh, is that?
0: It's so good. This whole scene is just- Absolutely phenomenal,
1: and I love that he shoots him repeatedly as well. It's not even like one shot. loads of clip. Even seeing like that that distant shot, and you get that that puff cloud of blood there. It's it's yeah, it's it's so great.
0: I love the shot as well of after he shot him. There's Mills in the in the foreground, like facing one way, and you got Somerset in the background, out of focus, facing the other way with his head down. Like these two, they're they're done now. Like that's that is the end of their. Like essentially their relationship, like they, I mean, they had to cut their ties. This is here. the
1: ultimate, the bad guy wins movie, isn't it? It's got Infinity to be. War. It's so. I mean, that's a part one <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, but that was a good. That was a good call. Um, yeah, like, it's there's not many films where, like, legitimately, the bad guy wins.
0: Yeah, and this must have been a massive shock to everyone at the time. Like, holy shit, this is how it's ending? On a, in fact, they wanted to end it right there. That yeah, shot this is, Mills what, is walking off. This is off. what
1: I thought you were, were going to talk more about. Where I've got more yeah, to talk about. Yeah, Fincher wanted wanted the movie to end here, but he found that in, like, cinemas, the, like, cinema operators would turn the lights on straight away. And it would just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't leave the audience with any time to digest what they'd just seen. So they added this little scene at the end in the car. To to Uh,
0: that's not what I saw. I saw that uh, this actually uh, tested poor to screening, like to, to test screenings that they didn't like, like the incredibly dark ending right there. And it was actually New Line Cinema. That put on that little that little thing at the end. Uh, Fincher and Morgan Freeman really hated it that they did that. They don't even, they don't care for that ending at all. And they would would have rathered that it ended there to make it just that that absolutely dark and bleak ending that this film should have had. Did you see what the alternative ending was for this? I've got. So many different alternatives that, that they had here. I saw the storyboard,
1: and this is like this isn't recent research. This is stuff I was uh, you know watching and researching years and years ago when I was really getting into this film. Um, yeah, I saw the storyboards. Basically, Mills doesn't shoot um, John Doe. It's Somerset who kills John Doe, so Mills doesn't have to. And Mills like looks at him and says, "What? It, what have you done? What are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm retiring."
0: It's like, come on, what's his lethal weapon? <laughs> <laughs> there was also something else where they, they wanted to uh, soften the bleakness and they were going to actually have Mills's dog's head in the box instead of Tracy. Oh, what?
1: That is ridiculous. Yep.
0: There was also going to be a completely different thing. Like when they were talking about we can't have this head in the box scene at the end, they were initially going to have John Doe kidnap Tracy with Mills and Somerset racing to save her life. Yeah, here's the problem with all these alternatives. Like we have perfection already. I know, but I I found it fascinating all these different things they were going to do. Here's another one here. They were going to have, as Mills was preparing to shoot John Doe, Somerset intervenes with his switchblade. However, Mills responds by shooting Somerset in the shoulder and actually killing Doe anyway. And the scene resumes two weeks later as Somerset's in the hospital. He's visited by the captain who tells him that Mills will be presented at court for the next day. The captain also delivers a letter to Somerset from Mills with a note saying, you were right. You were right about everything. Yeah. Nah, much
1: better what we got.
0: There was another alternate ending. It was revealed that John Doe didn't murder his wife, but actually a lookalike. And there was the fact that Mills had no justification for killing an unarmed man. He'd spend the rest of his life in jail and Somerset decided not to retire and instead give his country house to, uh, to Tracy and the unborn baby.
1: Huh.
0: I've got one more here. Jesus. John Doe kidnaps Mills and Somerset discovers that John Doe was raised by an abusive priest in a church orphanage, and he finally traces Doe, John Doe to this decrepit church decorated with artwork of, of the Seven Deadly Sins, where Doe is in, intent on making Somerset murder him out of vengeance. And as Somerset arrives, John Doe has cut a cross into Mills' chest, has suspended him above an altar, and shoots him. Mills finally dies in Somerset's arms as the church is set on fire, and, Doe, and John Doe and Somerset have a, a shootout, which Somerset wounds John Doe and lets him die in the flames. And it ends with Mills' funeral.
1: doesn't even sound like the sins are finished.
0: No. Actually, Morgan Freeman said he remembered the original ending as having the one you said, Somerset actually shoot John Doe instead of Mills doing it. And he liked this ending because the the reasoning was that the younger detective would still have a life after the events of the film. And it was actually Brad Pitt who argued that Mills has to shoot the killer in the end. He doesn't do the right thing. He does the thing of passion. And that convinced Morgan Freeman that that is the, the better ending. But yeah, fucking great ending, <laughs> fantastic scene. What a way to end the film. Any last words? Final thoughts, Dean?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, we both love this movie. It never gets old. It's so rewatchable. I mean, it's the best cop detective movie ever. It's so edgy. It's so suspenseful. Everything's so tightly edited together. It's never boring. Like there is never a dull moment in this film. The the back and forth between the conflicting views of Mills and Somerset just drives this film and you got one of the best, if not the best serial killer put to film. I
0: absolutely love this film and without a doubt is... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Very good. I mirror almost everything you say here. This is such a, a tightly wound thriller that keeps you on your toes... From beginning to end, with some amazing performances, a perfectly set grimy town where there is just no redemption for this for this entire town and anyone in it. The kills you never see any of them. That's the thing about this film. It is it feels gruesome, but you never see anyone. You kind of see wrath. I mean, all these murders you see where the crime scenes, you never see it actually happening. Kevin Spacey in his brief performance here is fantastic. Really steals the show. The whole the ending is one of the greatest all-time endings I've ever seen. I have nothing I have nothing negative to say about this film whatsoever. I know I nitpicked a couple of bits and pieces. Who gives a shit about that? This film is absolutely Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, it's not just one of the best endings. I, I reckon it's just like one of the great scenes of all time, you know?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean. Where is Seven going to sit on your rankings?
1: I mean, pretty bloody high, Endo. Let's be honest. Yep. When we're talking five star bangers, you look straight <laughs> to the top, don't you? You do. All right, and let's look straight to the top because you know it's probably been a while since I've I've had a film around this high echelon. So let's do a quick refresher. My number one is Once Upon a Time in America. It's not. It's not. It's not better than that. Uh, number two, Pulp Fiction. Again, Pulp Fiction's better. Batman Begins is next. Yep. Groundhog Day is next. What a classic. Next, we have La La Land. Uh, I mean, La La Land has so much joy to it that Seven doesn't. So, I'm going to leave La La Land above there. Now, we have Inception. And now, it's actually getting uh, difficult, I will say. So, we've got Inception, then The Dark Knight, then The Matrix. It's going to sit somewhere there. Where, though? It really I mean when we're talking films this good it's so hard to find any sort of flaw
0: in them. Yeah, separated by a very very fine line.
1: Uh I'm going to say I'm going to say that it is not as good as Inception. All right. But I'm going to say it's better than The Dark Knight. Seven is going to, and I swear to God, this wasn't deliberate. Seven is going to sure. be my new number seven out of 79.
0: I reckon that from now on, if a film goes above seven, you're going to swap seven so it stays at seven. I will not do that. What about you, Hendo? <laughs> All right. Uh, this clearly hits the top 10 for me, so I'm going to start at my number 10 spot with The Lion King, and seven is better than The Lion King. We head up to Train Spotting next, and it's going to continue. God, your top 10 so weak, Hendo. Oh, shut your face. The Lion King and Train Spotting. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? Once Upon a Time in America, number one, that's trash. Silence of the Lambs is at eight, and seven is better than that. We head up to Saving Private Ryan at seven, and seven is going to go above Saving Private Ryan. We go up to Rocky at number six, and seven is better than Rocky. I think we hit the da- The Dark Knight now at number five, and yep, seven is better than The Dark Knight. Number four is Kill Bill Volume 1. Man, uh, seven is better than Kill Bill Volume 1. Number three, The Matrix. Uh, seven is better than The Matrix. So we've got number two now with Inception. And seven is better than Inception. Do we have a new number one, Hendo? We have a play for the number one spot with Pop Fiction. And no, I think Pop Fiction is better than seven. So seven is my new number two out of 79. Very high, Hendo. I mean, it's warranted, like you said. Yes. It's a great film. Let's be honest. It really is. All right. Before we continue, we'd like, just like to say that this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for over two years now. I mean, Dean, you got to say something amazing about the patrons because they deserve it, don't they? <laughs> I've got to
1: say something amazing. You do. You make it, you so make it sound so like, all right, now, you know, bring
0: your A game here. It's like,
1: yeah, no, they know Tell they're amazing. Tell them how awesome Hendo. they are, Dean. They're awesome. They know
0: it, Hendo. <laughs> Yes, we do do a weekly patron-only episode over there, where we do different film series, for example, such as Harry Potter. We've also done different director series and patron-requested reviews, and this week coming up is another patron-requested review from our awesome patron, Stuart Garside, and he has selected Robocop, Dean.
1: Yeah, I actually have never had gotten around to watching Robocop, so definitely keen to check that one out. I mean, that sounds pretty ridiculous, but you're kind of a ridiculous person, so I'll let that slide. It's because I'm so young, Hendo. Like, RoboCop was,
0: was before my time. Pretty weird, considering that Once Upon a Time in America came out prior to RoboCop. I mean, maybe RoboCop, if it was in the 250, could be my new number one. You just don't know. Nah, somehow don't believe you. So, if you'd like to support the show, we have different various tier levels from as little as a dollar a month. Just head over to patreon.com slash journey. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Oh. Where we have our awesome patrons give us reviews for the films we break down. First one here from Luke James Human. For me, this is Finch's masterpiece. Starting with a killer premise that has the unusual qualities of Heyo. equal parts, style and substance. Yep, brilliant. Cinematography, production, and sound design, performances are all at the highest level under his direction. A film that is so effective you can practically smell it. Incredible, incredibly rewatchable despite the ending. Despite the ending, is that a knock on it?
1: Uh, maybe it's because... I don't think it's a knock. I think it's more because it's so powerful and maybe hard to watch. So it's so rewatchable, even though the end is so tough to watch. Yeah, fair
0: enough. So for Luke, he, of course, gives it... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. Very good, Luke. All right, on to Rob Manafield. Seven is absolutely amazing. A brilliantly acted, beautifully shot masterpiece. To be honest, it gets five stars from me just for the what's in the bark scene alone. So again, from Rob, another... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Got amazings all around the board here, mate. But of course we've got... Alright, right, here we go. Shane's review of Seven.
2: Hello, Dean. Hello, Hendo. Hello, listeners of the Movie Jenny podcast. Seven was one of the first movies I watched after I turned 15, and got the keys to the R18 Plus movies from the video store. In truth, my friend's mum rented it for us on VHS. Six for $10. This was one where we would have watched (laughs) at least four or five of those movies and stayed up till 5am. From memory, the other three movies we watched were Scary Movie, Wild Things, and Hollow Man, which I watched when I was alone, all all the way up to 5am. Suffice to say, Seven was the main event. I'd just come fresh from watching Usual Suspects the week or so before, and Dad recommended a check out 7 as my next film. Little did I know that both films would turn out to have the same killer. 3.5 3.5 stars when I was 15, upgraded to 5 stars in my 30s. I love serial killer movies in general, but there are so many bad ones. 7 stands out for the killer being an actual mastermind. The crime scenes, especially in the beginning, are terrific. The film wraps up this devious intelligence with an undercurrent of gruesome evil that is frighteningly realistic. Watching this movie is like opening a door to the w- very worst in human nature but it's done in such a way that it almost feels always feels honest and never gratuitous performances by everyone involved are fantastic morgan freeman is brilliant fincher creates an atmosphere of intense dread that accelerates to one of the best climaxes in cinematic history i'll say that again that is one of the best endings to a film that i've ever watched and There aren't too many I would say that about. I had to look up again who wrote the movie. uh wasn't David Fincher. And lo and behold, it's the same guy who did 8mm, a film that is potentially even more terrifying and disgusting. So another one to check out. Overall, 7 is a highly disturbing classic and the benchmark for all thrillers that deserves well deserves its place on the IMDb list as well as my own. Thank you very much.
1: All right. There you go. Thank you, Shane. Uh, That's um, some night. Did he say he watched them alone up till 5am? Hollow Man,
0: Scary Movie, Wild Things and 7? I think he said Hollow Man was the one he watched by himself all the way up to 5am. Could be wrong. Okay. I mean, I really hope he watched Wild Things by himself. (laughs) I
1: don't know what it was like with you two watching that together.
0: (laughs) Nah, thanks, Shane. Uh, Thanks, Shane. I haven't seen 8mm either. Have you seen that? Uh, No, I haven't seen 8mm. I kept getting that confused with Snake Eyes until I actually saw Snake Eyes. Ah, okay. All right, mate, let's get to...
2: Answer my question! The question,
1: jerk!
0: ...where we asked you, what is your favourite David Fincher film? Now, we did ask our Facebook Listener Discussion Group and our patrons what their worst film was as well, so let's see what these responses were. Right, first one here from awesome patron David Powell. He's actually given us his whole order here. So, here's a quick one. Benjamin Button. This is from the worst to the best. He hasn't seen Mank yet. Benjamin Button. Girl the Dragon Tattoo. Panic Room. Alien 3. Zodiac. Gone Girl. Seven. Social Network. The Game. And Fight Club.
1: Game very high. Uh, Let's go to Brother Shane. Best is Fight Club. Apart from Alien 3, the worst is Benjamin Button. So, the worst is Alien 3. (laughs) But I haven't seen Mank yet, and that's probably a contender. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, jeez. Got some negative expectations there, Shane. I reckon. Next one here from Wojciech Witzman goes with Zodiac is definitely number one. Next up from Chris Beardsall. In the same vein, favourite is Zodiac and least favourite, Alien 3. Fair enough. Dan Brennick at the Netflix and Swill podcast says best is Gone Girl and the worst is Mank. And it's not even close. (laughs) Nah, Nerdrovert says best would be seven with the
1: game and underrated close second. Fight Club being right there as well. All three interchangeable depending on the day. The worst, I feel like Alien 3 is low-hanging fruit and the obvious answer. While Make was impressive from a technical standpoint, I'd probably say it's his worst overall
0: behind Alien 3. All right, then. Paul at the Countdown Podcast says best is Fight Club and the worst is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, he he is an Alien 3 apologist, isn't he? He is, he is. He loves his Alien films. Loves them. Hunkrio
1: says Zodiac is one of the best crime investigation films of all time and my favourite
0: Fincher. Alien 3 is cliche answer for the worst, but there's a reason for that. Alright, Nick Haskins at Mr. Nikolai's Kitchen says the social network is the best by several country miles. Zodiac is absolutely the worst. Holy God, what absolute dreck. Yeah, he really hates that film. Scott Murphy says, I haven't seen Mank yet, but from the rest of his filmography, the best is Fight Club and the worst by some distance is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which is essentially a Hallmark movie with a bigger budget and better actor director effects, but equally trickly in content. All right. Awesome patron Amy Smith says, The best is The Social Network, and the worst is controversial, but the only Fincher film I've disliked is Gone Girl. Hmm, fair enough. And our last one here from Chris Williams says, Well, Alien 3 is not a terrible movie, but out of the movies of his that I've seen, that's probably the worst. The best would be Fight Club. All right, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But, Dean, let's get to our top five David Fincher films. And as usual, we start with you. What is your number five? The game, Hendo. The game. Ooh, the game that will not be making my list. Not because of the bad movie, it's just not top tier Fincher. I mean, he's only done what? 8? 9? 11? 11? Well, I still stand by it. My number five is Zodiac.
1: Ooh, Zodiac will not be making my list.
0: Uh. <laughs> uh, number four, The Social Network. Ah, uh, okay, not bad, not bad. My number four is Gone Girl. My number three is Gone Girl. Ooh, okay. We'll just swap these ones around, shall we? My number three is The Social Network. All right. Are we going to swap one and two, though? My number two is seven. Yes. Yes, we are going to swap them around. My number two is Fight Club. My number one is Mank. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: no, it's it's obviously Fight Club because Mank sucks. <laughs> wow. My number
0: one is seven.
1: Very good.
0: All right, but we still have... DVD Seven accepted. Where we did our little mini draft on David Fincher films. Now, Dean, I went first this time.
1: Yes, and I, I, I. It, when we were texting about this, I was like, "All right, which is he gonna pick? Seven or Fight Club? Seven or Fight Club?" And I was trying to think, what would I pick? And I'm like, "Eh, what do I do here?" And then you just shoot back, "Neither." And I'm like, "Oh,
0: oh thank you for
1: this win." <laughs>
0: Look, everyone goes on about how Social Network is the best film of the decade. It's one of the greatest films ever made. I thought this was gonna be, you know, a big powerhouse coming into it, so that's what I chose first. Yeah, the problem I is was wrong. Th-
1: it's the best of the decade and the decade isn't the nineties, Hendo. You know, people still put it up there high for Finch's best. I mean, I've never I've never had an easier <laughs> easier you know, two and three to pick. I mean, obviously I went seven and fight club.
0: How could you not? Seven was the one like, in the end. Like I picked Zodiac for my fourth one. Seven took it down with a 35% win. Fight Club and The Social Network tied together on 24% each and Zodiac hit 17%. But overall, that was good enough for you, Dean. 35% and 24% gives you the win for that. That means you have won the first little mini draft we've done here, winning three. So, well done. Pick a film for me. What are you going to do? Hmm. Pick a film.
1: Now, it's hard because there's so many films that you haven't seen. I'm gonna be kind because you still need to watch cats. Uh, mm. I'm going Captain Phillips. Ah, all right. That's I'm I'm happy with that one. I mean, you can't not be. You're gonna really like it. And you've seen it, yeah? Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I saw it recently, like I would say late last year. So we can both be the captain now. Yeah, but you you can't say that until you've seen the movie. So I'm gonna have to edit that out.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? Alright, Dean, next week's episode is going to be our other patron top 250 breakdown we've done. We are bringing out our breakdown of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. That is what we're doing. Yes, (laughs) we did do the full Harry Potter series a little while ago. We finished it off with Deathly Hallows Part 2, which is in the top 250, so why not release that for everyone else now? So thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode, and we'll see you next week for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Bye.